Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. Uh, this is what our, I don't know, fifth edition, something like that. Uh, I am merely Andy Barons. I'm actually not in my normal location today, as you can probably see. I am here in a uh, in a basement in, near Sarasota, Florida, visiting the in-laws. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Yahoo Fantasy professional Dalton Del Don. Dalton, what's up? How you doing? Doing all right. How's it going, Andy? Not much happened in the basketball world since we last talked. Yeah, it was a really uh, it was a pretty slow night after the last podcast. We quit recording, and then maybe within I don't know six or eight hours, Steph Curry had broken his hand. Uh, James Harden had scored fifty nine points. Uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns and a little bit of Ben Simmons uh, all fought. Yeah, they had a ruckus. Uh, so pretty uneventful evening. Uh, how, how you feeling about your Warriors now? We spent the entire podcast basically talking about your Golden State Warriors. And where they went uh, after a sluggish start, and now, like, it's a full-on tank, right? Yeah, well, people keep misusing the word tank because tank implies that they're purposefully losing, and that is not (laughs) what the Warriors are doing here. So let's be clear, they are not tanking. They are naturally going to be one of the three or four worst records in basketball this year. But let's start this early. I'm, I'm all for this rebuild. Let's get the youngsters some experience. No no need to rush Clay back. And, and obviously Draymond's going to sit out after five you know, deep postseason runs years. A lot of mileage on those tires. So uh, I'm all for this rebuild year. And it was a fun win and upset home the other night. But uh, yeah, this season's over before it even began. Um, can I ask if you're a if you're a Curry owner, like his season's not over, right? This is this is maybe it's two and a half, maybe it's three months, but you extend out three months and we've still got some season left. We've still got like a month and a half, two months left in the season when he uh, theoretically can come back. Are you trading him right now? Do you have to stash him? What do you, what do you expect from him when he returns? Yeah, non-shooting hand. I mean, boy, three months seems like a long end for a, for a broken hand too, but obviously they're not going to rush him. But yeah, they probably will see no reason not to play at all. So uh, it depends if, you're, if your league has an injured list spot or whatever on, on your, because three months is a long time if you're playing head-to-head and you need the roster spot. I'm in one now, that live Roto World draft that we did, I did on camera. Uh, there, there are some stars getting dropped in that league because there are no IL spots and just three benches and it's head-to-head and you just simply can't afford that zero. So it's really you know, league dependent to answer that question. That's tough, though, because the other thing about a head-to-head league is that the whole thing really comes down to April, right? Like, it's so key to have those. Like, somebody's going to scoop those guys up in in February and January, and they're going to have such a huge edge if they can just carry them for, I don't know, four weeks or so. Like, for me, that's kind of the number. If I can, like, I I can stomach carrying a player, especially a star, for, like, three or four weeks, but at some point... January, maybe you got to start circling around uh, around Steph or any other star who was dropped. No, that totally makes sense. It's a great point on the flip side, head to head leagues. It's more important to have them at the end. So if you can afford that that stash, then all, all the more important to have them in that in the playoff spot. Good point. But yeah, craziness. Warriors season down the drain. Just what a catastrophe. And then uh, the Embiid and Cat fight was well, if you call it a fight, it was quite something. Ben Simmons in the headlock coming away with zero suspension. They called him a peacemaker. I thought that was a little odd, but uh, I don't know it's great to see some actual, you know, the, uh, the Twitter fight afterward and all that. But it's cool to see guys in the league like that. Big guys go at it. That that thing was about as close to a fight as you're going to find right. in the modern NBA, right? Like they actually right. went to the floor. They actually grabbed at each other. And and Cat did that weird. They must not have actually called it a 
maybe they didn't call it a punch. I don't even know if they called it a punch. It was pretty clearly an attempted punch that he morphed into a, a kind of grab, right? Because he, he whiffed. Um, but it was a, like they tried to have a real fight. And then the the Instagramming afterwards was mostly unfunny. And, and I don't know. That was like that was unsatisfying. The fight itself and Embiid's reaction leaving the floor were kind of glorious right like that was that was excellent and then and then oh towns had family there um the whole scene was terrific and then the, maybe the instagramming afterward was uh didn't didn't match just the spectacular nature of the battle itself yes uh definitely and i will i will miss uh gorgie using gorgie jang again in uh in dfs was nice too um let's jump into our starting five because i'm not done with the warriors i want to ask you about the new face of the Golden State Warriors. He's probably, I don't know, one of the three or four great Warriors in history. Um, maybe it goes like Rick Barry, Steph, Clay, and then Eric Pascal. Um, who? Huh? Um, he, he's been spectacular, right? Like this early run has been really good and it seems pretty legit because we figure even a, even a team that's going to lose a whole string of games um, is still going to get to 85, 90 points most night and some most nights and somebody's got to score those. And it sure looks like uh, Pascal, a uh, high energy player who is going to get buckets. Yeah, I'm in five fantasy basketball leagues this year, and I own Pascal in all five. I swooped him up. Uh, it's, uh, it's this, he, he lasted in the second round, uh, seemingly just because of his like age. People thought there was no upside. I believe he spent. He was a four year college guy, right? Um, four, five years. He actually spent okay. five years in college. So yeah, he's like 16 months o- older than Jason Tatum or something crazy. So wow. he's uh, that. That's why he fell in the draft. But you know what that means for fantasy leaguers is that he's NBA ready now. You know, I mean, maybe his long term upside. Whatever they say that about Draymond. He's basically Draymond reincarnated. He's really interesting player because like he's his jump shot. He hit a few threes the other night, but they really like him defensively. The Warriors are dead DFL in defensive rate efficiency so far in the, in the NBA. So they really need him. And fantasy wise. Yeah, man, I think he's a huge, huge beneficiary of Curry going down and green's not going to be fighting through these injuries. So yeah, man, run, don't walk to get him in fantasy leagues. Yeah. So I think he's up to, uh, uh, I think he's up to 60% ownership in Yahoo leagues now. Um, 34 and 13 in his last game, it was on his birthday. That was kind of fun to see. A lot of it was not necessarily stuff that was like run for him either. Right. It was just like energy points. Um, he was a, a 35% free th- or excuse me, three point shooter in college, uh, played at Villanova, obviously accustomed to the big stage, but a 35% three point shooter in college wouldn't necessarily translate to being immediately successful at the NBA level percentage wise. But again, hyper energetic, um, who else other than, other than Pascal is gonna, is gonna score for this team. Yeah, that Kai Bowman's been doing some stuff for the for the point guard duty. He's been really interesting uh, lately, and they have a decision to make. Looks like my guy Marquise Chris is going to be released because they have a couple two way contracts they they have to deal with. But um, and, and D'Angelo Russell, when he returns, Pascal's not going to be firing up all these twenty shots a game. But let me tell you, reading all the local papers and stuff, this guy's this kid's for real, and, and people have really really liked him for the last few weeks, not just these last few games. So I think he's a legit guy that'll help you for the rest of the year. But for the other Warriors, uh, Jordan Poole is going to get a ton of run, a guard too. I mean, man, they wanted him to be like a learning curve, like in late in games. I'm sorry, getting you know 15 minutes a game. Boy, he's <laughs> now leading the team in shots. I mean, it's, it's, he's it's crazy. Get 30, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just wild. Look at the Warriors. They're going to have a, a, de- a definitely a, a bunch of different guys uh, rotating. Well, Collie Stein's back if you need a big man, maybe. But uh, but Pascal's Pascal's the guy, man. Little big dog, uh, uh, Glenn Robinson's yeah, son. Maybe he's, him is too. he going to be a thing? 
maybe, I mean, you get, you get the, the playing time. That's all that, you know, that matters and, and he's getting it. So I, I guess, but boy, it's going to be ugly, man. What, what a You look up at who's on the court for the team that's been in the five straight finals and it's wild how yeah. life com- comes at you fast. Um, speaking of life coming at you fast, uh, let's get to our second topic in our starting five. Uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be John Collins. Uh, John Collins gets popped for 25 games. Uh, it is a suspension for, I wrote it down, growth hormone releasing peptide two. I don't know exactly what that is. It's obviously on the band list, some sort of growth hormone. Um, this is the third guy since the summer, two of them, yeah. big names, DeAndre Ayton and, uh, and, and Collins, a 2010 guy last year who have been, who have been busted for PEDs is like, and I feel like, you know, the standard joke used to be that every league should have a, uh, a performance enhancer policy like the NBA because they had one and they never caught anybody, right? Like it, it like it's probably been going on for a long time. They were terrible at catching people. Have they just gotten better at, at catching players or is this uh or or are players using it more i mean there's no way that either one of us would know this This is basically reckless speculation but i just i just find it an incredible story like this is two pretty big name players within two weeks i was wondering the same exact question why yeah it seems like it's a, a theme here and this is the hgh it's the real stuff it wasn't even the masking agents like the previous guys who've yeah. been busted but um yeah i don't know what the reasoning is here by Maybe the way shout out, totally to, shout out to the nba shout out to the nba for actually releasing what they're getting busted for this is not True. a thing that we typically hear in the nfl um it may leak later it may not but uh yeah i i kind of like that they actually give us the you know with eight and it was a diuretic and and with uh obviously with collins it's a growth hormone no that's a good point you're right not all sports do do that took that took that for uh for granted uh jabari parker has got to add in, in fantasy average like 17 and 8 last year as a starter, clearly it's going to be Trey Young who's back in action on this team. But um, Atlanta was first in pace last season, and I think Parker is going to be the uh, big beneficiary here. It's a pretty thin roster otherwise. And, yeah, so the next, what, two dozen games, I mean, without Collins, uh, Parker's going to be heaving up a bunch of shots. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, nobody's going to replace Collins' numbers exactly. Obviously, Jabari isn't necessarily going to be a 2010 guy with, you know, whatever it is, half a block, half a steal. Um, but he is gonna he is gonna chase shots. Like that's one thing that we like about Jabari above all else. He's he's not in it to defend anybody. He's not going to expend a lot of energy there. Uh, but he will get his points. So if you told me that over the next, I don't know, it's it's like it's a third of a season. It's a long time without Collins. Um, he told me that he was going to go 17 and seven. I would probably buy that. Yeah, no, no, me too. I, th- I think Parker, he, I've swooped him up any league. He's, he's available. He might, it's not pretty. He's obviously not going to live up to his draft pedigree, but that'll, that'll work in, in fantasy. And Kevin Herter, I don't know what his deal with injury wise, but it seems like his minutes restriction has been somewhat lifted. So he's another interesting guy who should, you know, theoretically see a, a bigger usage rate with Collins out. So with Collins uh, obviously suspended, you can't stick him on, you know, some sort of injured list uh, spot. Uh, what do you like if you've got a three person bench? What, what are you doing? Are you holding you holding on to him? Yeah, again, I think it just totally comes down to your league. But I, I can absolutely see leagues where you just have to get rid of him if you're going to cost you a playoff spot. But I mean, obviously, ideally, you stash him because he's such an impactful player, but just so league dependent. I mean, do you have this option? Do you have this this conundrum? Um. I don't have no. I don't have it with. Uh, I don't have it with Collins. I had it with Aiton in a uh, in a league with two bench spots, and like it's a it's a head to head league, two bench spots. I'm not so stacked that I can just carry it. Like two bench spots uh, is just is just not enough. I had to I had to let him go. Like I know he's going to come back healthy. I know he's going to come back. You know, as fundamentally the same player that he was before. But um, th- there's just no. I mean, I would just be losing every week. Like 
three to, you know, three to five. I mean, how many like three to five losses can you can you withstand before uh, your season is is just hopelessly gone? No, I agree. I would err on the side of you got to get rid of these guys in head to heads. That, that's that's what I would say. And, 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 you know, obviously it's different in leagues where you set your lineup for the week. That's great. It's just a minor nuisance yeah. now, you know, to have your guy. But but the leagues that you need, the daily transaction, um, you got to get rid of them for the most part. I agree. Um, topic number three that I want to talk about, and listen, there, there might not even be anything actionable here. Maybe there is, maybe there's a, a sell high argument to be made, but, uh, Gordon Hayward just went off in a, in a notable way. Uh, he puts up 39 points. It was more than that. That was 39, seven and eight. Uh, he did not miss a two point attempt. I believe he's 16 for 16 from two point range, uh, got himself near the basket with, with relative ease, looked fundamentally like the same old Gordon Hayward. Uh, there was an alley-oop that he laid in instead of dunking. Like I, I, this is, this is like three games with 20 plus points. Uh, he's averaging over 20 on the season right now. Uh, how are you feeling about him? Is this all pretty legit? You, you expect that, uh, we're basically back to a fully operational Gordon Hayward. Yeah, it's great to see. I'm fully buying. I'm, I'm upset I don't have him in more fantasy leagues because, uh, uh, you know, the preseason they were saying he looks like the old Hayward. And sometimes it was tough to believe because that that injury was so gruesome and it feels so long ago. But having said that, it makes just fundamental sense that it took so long to return to his old self. So, yeah, he's a top 30 in I think eight and nine cat leagues. This year, Boston's got it going. Man, Jason Tatum looks like the star maybe just a year yeah. later than everyone expected. Kimba Walker after that rough first game, has looked great. So, um, yeah, this team's looking good. And Hayward, no way to me this is a sell high. I think he's legit. And I'd, I'd just it'd be, be happy you got him if you have him. Yeah, I feel like more than anything, this is kind of a, like, obviously it's a terrific story because it was a gruesome injury. It's it's kind of there with, like, the Paul George injury and maybe 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 not quite Sean Livingston, right? But it was, like, it was a bad injury. It was ugly. We were all watching. It was early in the season. Um, really ugly injury. And it's great to see him come back, especially after sort of working through the process all of last year on a huge stage, drawing a lot of criticism, right? It's great to see him back now. So that, um, is, is pretty gratifying. It's easy to feel good for him. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I kind of feel the same way after uh, making my way through last night's game, watching all of that. Uh, it, it just looked, it just looked like vintage Hayward. And I do think he's all the way back. Yeah, I think there was a ton of attempts, too, as you mentioned. He went perfect from, from, from two. So, yeah, it's great to see because, yeah, that, that looked like such such a tough injury. And he did not look even cl- – I mean, he looked bad. You know, it looked like at right. some point, you know, in his recovery, it looked like he's never going to get there again. But great to see that he has. Okay, topic number four, and this is a guy that some of you can still go out there and add. He is right now 63% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, we got to talk about Devontae Graham. Because uh, he went off against Indianapolis, <laughs> it was 35 points, uh, four rebounds, six assists, three steals in this game. Um, just a terrific effort. Like Hayward, that was his third game with 20 plus points so far this year. Uh, the Hornets are the Hornets are weird, man. Like like it's a different guy every night putting up a notable fantasy line. You feel like chasing him, right? It's like Washington one night. It's it's Bridges. It's Zeller. Um, it's been Graham several times. What have you seen so far? And I guess my I guess my biggest question about Graham is whether he can really coexist for like, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game with Rogier. I mean, you just don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of teams roll with like two guys who are six one uh, in the in, in the backcourt like that seems like that would create some an, an almost untenable situation defensively. I don't know. How, how do you feel about this team? Uh, he's been great, and it's hard not. I mean, he got to be owned in every single league at this point. I mean, he he played a lot of those minutes alongside Terry Rozier last yeah. night. So, 
super impressive. Again, a must a must own, and just to see where it goes from here. Rozier is that big contract. So he's not going to be benched, but uh, you aren't super happy with him if you're a fantasy owner. Although he he performed well last night too, so maybe they can coexist. Yeah. And my guy Dwayne Bacon, who I had everywhere late in drafts, has not been good, to put it mildly. So uh, maybe maybe they do entertain that a little bit more. It resulted in a win last night. So uh, yeah, Graham's been awesome. He's been he's been really really good. I have yeah, you zero, would like zero shares of him, man. I, I zero shares. He was definitely not on my radar to be anything like this. This is this has been very very really nice surprise yeah i was actually i was pretty quick on uh pascal and i was really slow on graham um in part because like i have bridges in a couple leagues and i'm just like how many how many hornets do i want to stack up like how closely aligned do i want to be with the hornets over the balance of the season but he was really impressive uh he was another guy who actually got himself i guess I guess I would say they were degree of difficulty makes, but um, he got himself at the rim with relative ease against uh, against Indy. He looks like a guy that definitely it, you'd be happy to, to if you scooped him up. But same exact boat with you, uh, grab Pascal. But but Graham, I was I was too slow to sleep at the wheel. Okay, fifth item that I want to get to before we bring in um, our man, our our interview guest this week is one of my favorite people in the fantasy industry, Jim McCormick. Before we get to Jim. I want to, uh, this is almost a fantasy PSA. Um, I, I just want to mention the fact that that almost everybody you've been missing all year is coming back relatively soon. Uh, Trey Young returned last night, was bad for a half, and then was the greatest player on earth for a half. Like a really weird game, but a really fun player to watch, obviously. He was great. Uh, Joel Embiid returns from suspension on Wednesday night. That is in the past. Um until their next game with Towns and they fight again and get suspended again. Um, Paul George apparently might be a week away. They're, they're talking about him coming back uh, maybe November 14, somewhere in there. So we're like, we're like seven or eight days from Paul George making a return. And the, the one that I'm most interested in, and, and I, I want you to just sort of speculate on what this is going to look like. Uh, there's some reports that Draymond Green is maybe like three more games, four more games from coming back. Number one, do you think that's right? I guess, Actually, let's make number one. Is this a real injury uh, or is this just, um, you know, let, let's not put any put any additional uh, uh, wear and tear on uh, on one of our veteran players. It's a real injury. And then when he comes back, what what is what does dream on look like as like, I don't know, is he an offensive centerpiece? What is he without guys without both Clay and Steph around him? I do think it's a real injury, but certainly not one that he could could have possibly played. I mean, he'd be playing if it was a postseason game, no question about that. But yeah, I just thought I shot a stock watch video before recording this podcast, and my my downgrade was Draymond Green, and it had nothing to do with the current injury. I just think with the situation the Warriors in that we highlighted earlier, it just affects him the most. I mean, he's just there's just no way, there's no reason for him after playing five straight years deep in the postseason to play through any of these injuries. Load management is going to begin and end with him. With the Warriors, it, that team should seriously be playing for for draft positions. So uh, he's a guy that I was very excited for three weeks ago. I loved drafting him and, and said, "Oh man, he's going to be high usage rate." To now, I'm like, "Uh oh, it's it's a problem." I'd be looking to trade him if he comes back, has a couple good games, he'd be on the top of my list of trying to trade away. Yeah, so no pre-existing rapport with uh, most of these guys that he's going to be out there with. So so many of the things that make him a, a great player within the context of like the title yeah. contending Warriors are far less relevant with with this with this roster around him uh by the way we should maybe we should mention that uh one of the little silver linings about this uh uh you know it's not quite a full-on tank but maybe it's a passive tank that the warriors are going through is the fact that they are going to get to keep that uh the draft pick that would have otherwise been included in the nets deal right right, right. so there's good, that 
There is that. Thank you, Andy. You do bring up a good point, though, about him being like a playmaker. You know, he's not going to go out and score suddenly 32 if his usage rate goes up. Like, he's missing these stars around and these shooters, too, so his stats will hurt a little there. But when he's on the court, he's going to see a big usage rate, but but he's he's going to sit more more than, than in recent memory. And also... D'Angelo Russell, this this ankle injury didn't seem to be serious either, and suddenly he's going to miss his third straight game or whatever. So I worry about him, and and I don't know how happy the team is with him and how great they have meshed with it. It's certainly early, but I own him a few places, and I'm not overly thrilled with how this situation has started either. Um, if you had to guess, is Russell going to get dealt at the deadline now? I, I would have said no way. Right, I'm, I'm very much 50-50. I'd say 50-50 right now. I think it's yeah. a legitimate chance, real legitimate chance he gets traded this year. And so when he comes back, is Kerr just going to run this, like, all of a sudden a pick-and-roll offense? Uh, he's going to try everything and see what sticks. But it's going to be ugly, like I said, the worst defense in the NBA. They're going I mean, I think I fully expect them to have the – let's be clear. I expect the Warriors to finish with the worst record this season. I, I mean, I, really, truly. So, we'll, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, a lot of pick-and-roll with D'Angelo Russell like last year. It seemed to be he, he, his most comfortable self. And really, what are the other options? And I'm glad we're talking about your depressing team this week and not my depressing team. Yeah, were well, you at the game last night? I, I saw that LeBron got in a, at a heckler at courtside, told him that uh, his, his woman was embarrassed to be seen with him. I just assumed that was you, Andy. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't me. I don't know what you heard. Despite, despite reports to the contrary, that was not me. I was flying to Florida, in fact, uh, to get myself into this basement to record this show. Uh, no, that was, that was not me. Uh, Buddy took those, uh, those tickets. I, like, I knew exactly how that game was going to go, right? Like every Bulls game feels like it's going to follow a familiar rhythm this season. They're going to get out to a huge lead at some point in the first first half and it would seem insurmountable with some teams but obviously not for the Bulls and then they're going to give it all away in the third and fourth quarter and they're going to play some really weird closing lineups and some you know they're going to have lineups out there for long stretches with absolutely no scorers I don't know it's a like it's a challenged roster to begin with and then uh Jim Boylan is maybe not necessarily making the most of it but nobody came here to listen to me whine about the Bulls let's bring in uh this week's guest Jim McCormick Um, He does most of his writing for a plucky little independent startup website uh, that you probably haven't heard of. It's called ESPN. We're trying to boost their signal a little bit here, uh, maybe get them some some views. Uh, Jim writes both hoops and football. He's been there like 13 years, uh, wrote in there on Matt Berry's coattails, I believe. Uh, He also used to be pretty much the only person that I ever talked to at FSTA conventions until I made some new industry friends. Um, Jim, it's really good to talk to you. How you doing, man? It's true. Uh, We were the wallflowers. We did really well with that with that bit for a while until we had to socialize. Especially until it became more than like 80 people in a ballroom. It became 800 people in a ballroom. I I don't know. I kind of liked it, but it used to be that it used to be that like no writers went to that thing this is we're we're kind of in the weeds of the fantasy industry right now this is an annual convention but it's like there were no writers that were there it was you and me and maybe our bosses and that was it and then a bunch of salespeople. Yeah, and as for a sleeper, and they'd be like the third quarter. I'd be like, no, what are you saying? Like, do you mean financially? <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good to have you here. You are, I think people know this if they've encountered your, your work at all. Uh, you're a Philly fan, and things are going pretty well for your Sixers so far. Um, give me just a little bit on the, on the current state of the Sixers. They're fun. They're scrappy. They get into fights all the time now. They're, they're the brawling Sixers. Um, how are you feeling about the, about the new look team? No Jimmy. But you got Al Horford. He's great. Um, things are looking good. You're the prohibitive favorites in the East, right? Uh, I would think so. I mean, I think that Milwaukee uh, deserves their credit as well. But I think the not to focus on them, but the Brogdon thing is something we can talk about. That that's kind of significant in in making Philly 
having this path. Uh, the bully ball thing is completely real. Uh, usually coaches, when they say things like smash mouth and these like kind of amorphous words, you can't really see them on the court. With Philly, you actually see it. They're leading the league in, bl- in post-ups. They're, they have an 80% defensive rebounding rate. To put that in perspective, <laughs> like, the ba- like the the bad teams are, are mid-low 70s, uh, 30%. They're getting 30% of offensive rebounds. They're just bullies. And I think it, it, it leads into some of the individual production will suffer, but um, I think in the end that'll even out as we start getting into the the load management era. I don't even have I don't, I don't even have those numbers up right now, but I feel like my Bulls have like a twenty five percent defensive rebounding rate. They are <laughs> they're like the worst in the league or close to it. They've been a brutal watch. Um, Al Horford, how is that? They're, yeah, they're twenty nine. Oh gosh, they're so, so awful. Um, how how is the Al Horford thing working so far? Like it seems like that's just been seamless. It has. Um, I think the spacing, when people write about that, that's true. There are a bunch of giants on the floor. Look, his shot's not completely falling yet the last two games it has, but he's shooting a career high from three, like volume from three. Um, so he's living up to the idea that he would be this floor spacer. It just hasn't completely realized in the makes, but I think it will. And look, he, he made the, he made the Sixers first pull up three attempt. And it was like <laughs> a half court heave. Um, that was against Phoenix, but he, look, he's, he just set a career high for field goal attempts a couple nights ago. So these non Embiid nights, what he was brought in for, it's going to be fantasy fun more so than I think in Boston where he always played this one role. He'll play like, he'll play a leading man role sometimes. All right, you got to talk to me about this rookie Thibault. I don't care how many shots he's missed. I mean, in category leagues, yeah. how do you not pick up one point two blocks, two point three steals in eighteen minutes? I mean, what? I mean, he's throwing up all, all his field goal attempts are nearly threes too. And he's stashing him in fantasy leagues because I mean, what upside here? Yeah, so for a minute there, have, he was actually leading the league in steals, right? And then he had a game where he played like four minutes, it, something like that. He's been terrific. Yes. In Phoenix, he was just a human foul. He had four right. fouls in four minutes. <laughs> right. It was like the, 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 it was almost intentional. It looked like it was like slow down. Um, so he came, he, he like never reintegrated into the, in, like he never got his normal rotation back. He just kind of like got bumped out for Raul Neto or Hahu Neto. I'm sorry. Um, but Thibel is ridiculous. He's tied with Kawhi and steals at fifth, but seventh in deflections. And more importantly, per 36, it's like leading the league in everything, right? He's got like five steals. And these are the, like Kevin Pelton writes about this for ESPN. PN, like uh, uh, blocks and block percentage and steal percentage translate very well to the pros. They just really do. They translate from Europe. They translate from NCAA and they translate at a level. It doesn't, not, not everything else translates. We've seen that with the Nerlens Noel theory, like that sometimes you can only just block and steal. And that might be what Thibel is. But to speak to what Dalton's saying, like that's okay. Nerlens Noel used to have a role too when he played 25 minutes. And that's what this guy should be doing with with Philly. And I think, I, I would think this was an outlier, the four minute game. I do think he's very worthy in roto leagues and category leagues. Um, so you think maybe another month or so and he's going to get consistently, is it going to be 18 minutes? Is it going to be 24? Is it going to be, cause he's obviously he's pretty exciting if we're talking about him. Yeah. So the thing with him, right. Is staying on the floor with the fouls. Like he kind of has this thing. Jonah Bolden had this last year with the Sixers where he just, but I think the difference is that he's not getting fouls because he's missing rotations and making up for it. He's really just super aggressive and he's been given this, this freedom. I forget the name. Uh, is, is it cautious thief or thoughtful thief? There was some name that, that Brett, that Brett Brown gave him that he's like <laughs> a reckless, you could call him a reckless thief is what it was. So it's really not that, but he wants him to be. So there is an actual, the leash is only how many fouls he can get, right? There's a rule, but I do believe he'll have freedom. And I do think 18 to 22 minutes is a nice wheelhouse for him because 
the Sixers, like, he doesn't have many guys to beat out. It's Furkan Korkmaz and James Ennis. No disrespect to Furkan Korkmaz, who just won a basketball game. <laughs> um, yeah, he's also, I think, I don't know where he's at in ESPN leagues and Yahoo leagues. I think he's only 15% owned. So he's a guy that uh, people can actually yeah, go out there and grab. He's available. And he's, he's like a category winner um, most weeks if he's getting 18 minutes a game, for sure. Um, the one other... I, I think it's tough. I'm sorry. It's, it's tough for people to look past the points thing. That's it's like oh, Marcus absolutely. Smart. So Marcus Smart's always Marcus Smart has always like now he's really valuable, but he's always been this incredible three and D guy or, or really just D guy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like I think that's a thing that we miss in fantasy basketball. It's almost like a steals guy in baseball. Like we, yeah. we kind of miss some of these guys when they only do one or two special things. Yeah. And he's not a guy who's like the equivalent of a 20 steal guy in baseball. He's the equivalent of like no. a 65 steal guy. <laughs> like if he plays 20 minutes a game, he's, he's, he's Billy Hamilton. He is. He's Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. If he plays 20 minutes a game, it's going to be, it's going to be three plus steals uh, every night. Yeah. It's been, it's been insane. Uh, at least that rate. One, one other Philadelphia player I want to ask you about before we get on to some other things is, uh, is Ben Simmons. Sure. Um, it looks just like, first of all, the other night I thought he was going to go for a, uh, a quadruple double. He had like, <laughs> he had like five, five, five and seven yeah. in no time. Um, but his game does not seem like it's fundamentally changed. He teased us a little bit in the, in the preseason, in the summer with the possibility of shooting threes, still hasn't shot one. Um, so is there any reason to think anything's going to, ch- like, he's great. Obviously he's great. Uh, is anything going to change at any point? And that, that's probably still okay. Right. It is okay. It is disappointing because, like, we were set up through the, you know, it's, again, Instagram has has lured us into a trap. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't get lured into Instagram traps. But um, <laughs> but it is one of these things where there is this off-season lore of, like, wow, look, there's a player changing in front of us. And he was playing on the floor with Booker and these guys. Well, he also played with Booker last night or, or Monday night. And didn't take any threes and didn't take any shots outside 10 feet. Uh, somebody made a terrible joke, but you'll appreciate it that he's kind of like Mr. Bisky. He doesn't go left. Um, so, you know, really all of his field goals are on the right <laughs> side of the basket and they're all in the restricted area. Look, last year he shot 70% around the rim. He was awesome, but I agree with you. He's going to normalize to like his 16, seven and seven. The rebounds might be down a little bit. We're noticing that. But again, I think that normalizes on the games when, you know, some of these other guys rest. I think, Right now, you're going to see some variance in, like, all of these guys on, on Philly. I have, actually I do have one more 76ers question for you. Um, sure. Looking at this up, I was noticing they're, they ranked sixth in pace. By the way, that would have ranked first last year. I mean, pace is just way up so far this yeah. season. I know it's an early yep. sample, but wow, I mean, small sample. Um, first off, I want you to say over-under how many threes Simmons has but this season. But in mm. general, I want your thoughts on Markel Fultz, basically, I mean, as a guy who follows the Sixers. Right. I want to know – I want your thoughts on him. Sure. Okay, so with um, with Ben, the over-under on threes uh, generously could be like 12 and a half. Mm. It could be like a – I don't know. Yeah, like a Dolphins point spread. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I. I. I just. I just don't think it's really that. Like, if it. I put it this way. If it's. It's going to have to start happening soon. Where he's just pulling corner threes. Like he has to have a function where it's not that he's dribbling into threes or he has to just simply at least keep his man that aware that he's alive. Like in the corner because the dunker spot thing isn't going to work when we have crunch time and we have four guys who are 610 it's just that sounds ridiculous it sounds as ridiculous as it looks so that eventually will have to have some sort of breaking point or they make a trade at some point not a big trade but like 
Maybe they move Zaire for like a Bogdan Bogdanovich. They need somebody who can pull pull a string like off the dribble. Um, but with and so that leads us into Markel Fultz. The reason he was drafted was because he was this incredible off the dribble wizard, right? Um, watch, I've watched a, a ton of him already. Like that 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 uh, Denver game over the weekend. Look, he looks good defensively. His dribble is really nice, but he still isn't going to be respected shooting threes. I think the free throw volume is the biggest problem. That like he's not gonna. Um, his best skill is getting to the basket and he's not going to uh, uh, monetize that because he doesn't go to the line because he has a, an unwillingness kind of like Ben to, uh, to, to leverage that part of his game to invite contact. So I think he's has, I like what I'm, what I'm seeing. I root for the kid, but I still think so, fundamentally the jump shot is still isn't there. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that he's getting on the floor. The defensive rates also are a little low for me. Like I wish they were a little higher, like, to play him in fantasy, but in, in a real sense, I think there's some momentum. How happening. much you say physical was his problem though, or was it mental, or was that just a legit injury he was dealing with? <sighs> I've delved into this a lot, and I, I, I you know, I'm, it's one of these things where I would really even say this privately. Like I just don't think there's really an answer. Like that anybody has publicly. It's been kept. Like I know a couple of beat writers pretty closely, and they've tried and they've wrestled with it. And there's these were there's you know there's rumors around any of these kind of things, but none of it's really been confirmed. So I just think it's really one of these things where it's I'm gonna trust the the diagnosis of the TOS, but I don't think it's a mutually exclusive thing necessarily, right? Like he also clearly has some issues with the mental approach to the game. I mean with his with his fluidity and his trust in his shot it's really a shame i think he could get back to being an nba starter caliber player right now i think he's a little bit sub that but it's sadly i don't know if we ever see like what we were supposed to it is interesting we talk about his drives to the rim because i feel like we saw this a little bit in the preseason um he would you know instead of like just finishing at the rim and just getting like as dead on close as he can he spins out of a lot of stuff and ends up with extra moves yeah 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 yeah. like there'll be like a spin in the lane just started to play yeah to get to a 10 foot floater or jumper instead of just finishing and, may, and maybe risking a foul yes yeah and so and, and ben it's like not to go back but like ben does some of these same things where he could just like finish right at the rim and is he's got literally like an 11 foot reach <laughs> and he does some goofy like some goofy like manipulation where nobody was really challenging him so yeah like i think on the end and i think you see this with, with ben when when these guys are hitting their free throws, everything does change because then they can like capitalize on that part of their game, and that's just not there yet for either of them. Let me ask you about a guy who uh, you brought up earlier, Malcolm Brogdon, who is right now, as we speak, delivering first round fantasy value in pretty much any format: eight category, nine category. Um, rarely turns the ball over, so he's probably uh, I don't know, he's probably top five in nine cat. I'm not even looking at it. Um, is this? sustainable sure seems like it um really smart player kind of a kind of a just a across the board fantasy contributor the the scoring has been tremendous um what are your thoughts on him so far and is he gonna is he gonna maintain is he gonna finish this season as like a top 10 fantasy asset it's incredible right uh he's like the one i mean outside of maybe when you look at these rankings these 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 indexes like these value indexes like brandon ingram's the other name that pops out but yeah Brogdon's the other one he's the other like everyone what i'm saying is everybody else is a star kind of that like plays well right now in the nba it's it's that good of a league but yeah he it's it, i think it is real like I, i'm gonna be like i think what's real is that they don't have anybody else who's gonna handle this much uh usage in terms of not just usage rate like we talk about but possessions and the balls in his hands and he's orchestrating all these pick and rolls he's almost playing like a mike conley uh, Memphis role where like he's literally running like 60 pick and rolls like very old school Nate McMillan stuff and there's just so much value in that because think about it he's one part of the of the end point of the possession on every play it's there's no standing around he's either passing that ball or he's going to shoot that ball and it's just that's really rewarding it's very yeah. old school Chris Paul stuff 
And I just think like not a lot of teams are doing that model, but if any coach is willing to just play an AB offense and now he's got a really nice role partner with uh, Sabonis. So it, it's, it's a pretty nice setup like skill wise. I don't know how well it's going to translate to NBA wins all the time. It's a 500 kind of model, but it certainly works for fantasy basketball. That, that has to be, that has to be rare to have a six assist jump. Sorry to someone to be in the yeah, league that yeah. long and have more than six assists per game. I mean, that, that has to be super rare. Yeah, look, no, it's actually insane. <laughs> he jumped from a 16% assist percentage, meaning like when he was on the floor, 16% of all two-point field goals w- were attributed to him. And now it's 44% of those. So like he is <laughs> he is the assist machine. So you know, you're right, Dalton. It is like a Westbrook. He went from like, yeah, complimentary. <laughs> he went from Markel Fultz assist rate to Chris Paul's assist rate. So that, that is something very notable. I am just looking at him now, and he's also he's only shooting thirty one percent, thirty two percent from uh, from three, and obviously he's a forty percent guy over the course of his career. So like, there are some areas that are perhaps going to get better. Yeah, I think some of that catch and shoot, like he was always bad. Like last year, he was pretty bad off the pull up. He was great off catch and shoot. So maybe some of those shots aren't as manufactured for him, right? Because of this role, dis- like he's been displaced from that off ball role. But I agree. Like eventually, when Oladipo comes back, maybe some of that, maybe some efficiency comes back when Oladipo's there. But even when Oladipo's back, I think there's going to be plenty of because he's an off ball guy. So I still think there's plenty of this assist equity is going to be here. In the meantime, I've been using Goga. Goga. I don't know how to pronounce him, but the center there is getting work done. Cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, cheap yeah. DFS option. He's getting work done in the middle of Goga. Yeah, he's another one. He's like he's like he's got some some Goga and has a, Goga has some Boban to him, and like he's way more skilled. I'm just saying in in the per minute sense, where it's like he's like he knows, like he's got like a switch on his back. It's like I score. It's like yes, you score. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 he, he's very operational that way. Meaning like you could tell that, that when they run pick and rolls, he's like I know what button to press. It's like I, it's a terrible accent. I don't know what his accent would be like, but. That, that's that, it was that's that. my, exactly my that he's probably like incredibly fluent right and brilliant you've turned him into a caricature <laughs> from like an 80s <laughs> movie where rush is the bad guy so if malcolm brogdon is i don't know one of the one of the great surprises uh so far in this season uh who has uh who's been the biggest disappointment to you relative to expectations yeah i mean outside of like the suspension bros yeah right like outside of outside of uh the, the ped thing which is interesting that's like a weird outlier this year that you never see that happen um i guess a disappointment would be you know uh, julius randall like like i, I mm. didn't have any shares of him so i'm not gloating or anything but i just think like um he went early Marcus morris he went really early yeah he went way too high i think there was a consensus thing that happened in the industry and like espn played a part in it too like like he was he just like got inflated because of volume and this i think what happened was we took his new orleans numbers and we said hey add 20 percent because <laughs> now he goes to new york where there's where you know that was kind of what naturally happened in these like these models these these that's what we're doing we're kind of tweaking expectations to fit this new situation and the problem with that is they also hired about 12 other Julius Randles. <laughs> it wasn't just it, it it wasn't just the power forward thing. It's the overlap of the actual power forwards. Like yeah. Marcus Morris is is just a very moody Julius Randle. And Julius Randle seems kind of moody. So it's like it's like it's like moody Julius over here and then Bobby Portis is another moody guy, yeah. right? And he but he also wants to shoot threes and jab step and like I saw Bobby Portis drop thirty uh, from the on the on the Sixers as with the Bulls last year and like half of it was just step back threes. Yeah, it was like he thought he thought he was hardened. So I just think there's too many guys in that team. There's like, for it to be fun. I think eventually he'll have some nights. And look, I'll give my other disappointing name, Mitchell Robinson. Like all mm. that we feared was that Fizdale would play this old school thing and try to protect like some kind of like floor for wins. I mean, he's playing one rookie 40 minutes and then the, and then he's not playing Mitch Robinson. 
And again, all the per 36 numbers, we talked about Thibault. This is like the, you know, the original, not the original, because he's only played two years, but like, this is like, he was a superstar on a per 36 rate last year and a league winner in blocks last year. Right. And he's being kind of like just hidden right now. And they don't trust him at all to get into foul trouble. He's not allowed to play recklessly, which is exactly how he needs to play. So that's another disappointment. Those two guys, I think the, the Knicks front court, if you would have been shocked that I'd be telling you in early November, the Knicks <laughs> front court disappointed you. Well, and I, I, I have to say. jump in because you can't talk about my guy Portis and not mention that the recent reports that he supposedly referred to himself in the third person during pre-draft interviews. And I, a couple of oh, yeah. have come Bobby. out and said that that of was wild. So of course he did is right. Yes. So yeah, a good, good call with that. New York front court though what a mess he he's got some Gilbert Arenas in him but like you know not in the good way like, yeah. <laughs> um that's a that's quite a that's a very interesting comparison for Bobby by the way who I used to actually like right up until the the fight with Miritich um Bob, Bobby was my guy I just I like oh and he was there was like a Twitter movement like free Bobby there was like a free Bobby Twitter movement for for NBA DFS oh, because he was so good yeah Bobby would come into Bulls games and you could just tell that he was all about getting up like I don't know if I'm gonna play 15 minutes tonight I'm gonna get 20 shots up I'm mean, like yeah like yeah. how many yes. can I hoist yeah yeah possessions would just begin like and end with shape, him most fights it was great yeah uh well that's gonna do it um it is absolutely great talking to you again jim uh once again hope to see you uh in vegas at fsta again excuse me fsga they have changed the name uh this year folks you can follow jim mccormick he is at underscore jimmy mccormick on twitter uh another thing that people may not know about you uh jim mccormick used to ghostwrite everything for chris harris who has never written a word on his own in his life people may not know that I planted the flag. I really did. <laughs> Absolutely. You've, uh, you've basically been the entirety of, of Harris's career. Everybody says it. Everybody talks about it. Um, again, thanks. Thanks, Jim. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, Art. In case you missed it this week, I want to start off with a bit of Joe Kim Noah news. Uh, obviously, he's not even in the league right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sporting the Noah shit like, this is one of three Joakim Noah shirts that I still keep in rotation. Um, back back uh, in the in the day, like 2009 to 2011, I would say I had a full wardrobe of Joakim Noah shirts that I could go to. I could probably go two weeks in a row without having to like even wash one of them. And I could have Joe on me every day. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time. Absolutely one of my favorite players of all time. The, uh, the steal and dunk on uh, Paul Pierce in the 2009 postseason is just, it's like the greatest event of my basketball life that I've attended. Uh, love him uh, without reservation or hesitation uh he's been in the news a little bit this week um because brian windhorst on the hoops collective pod had uh, made a little bit of news talking about him suffering like potentially i forget what his exact word was a significant injury a catastrophic injury something like that in the summer that his career was in jeopardy and then uh, uh later uh corrected the record a bit to say that joe is no longer injured uh that he is recovered and he is looking for work so we may not have seen the last just yet of uh one of the great personalities in the nba of the last 15 years uh, you must be so excited. Maybe you can come and save the Bulls season. Or this this segment's either Joe Kim Noah or Robin Lopez. Maybe you can join the Lopez. Come out of time and go. You'll join my walk into. That's not true. Football. It was it was Luol Deng wants to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. I stand corrected. But uh, yeah. Oh, I'd love I'd love to see more Noah. Yeah, I hope he does come back. I, I hope he's not. Yeah. Yes, I would so. I would love nothing more than for Joe to come back to the Bulls. Although I don't think that's going to happen. Like I, a little part of me would really like to see him 
Uh, number one, I wanted to see him and not Howard with the Lakers. I thought that would just be a blast to sit like after all the back and forth that he's gone through with, uh, with LeBron over the years. My God, I thought that would be fantastic. Um, but the Clippers would be a pretty That'd be pretty tight, too. I would like that. Oh, man. Yeah, that, uh, more defensive players. The Clippers, exactly what they need. Right, what's the other one you got for me this weekend? Andy? Yeah, the last thing I want to hit you with is uh, uh, Damian Lillard, uh, Oakland native himself. His his comments about, uh, about the Chase Center and the Warriors move to San Francisco. Did you see that? What is your reaction? Do you mostly agree? Yeah, I mean, he's an Oakland guy, and it makes sense. And, uh, I mean, a Bay Area, the Niner fans just dealt with a similar thing. Levi's Stadium, totally different than Candlestick. Priced out a lot of longtime fans and it's tough to judge chase center right now i've seen some some criticism with the yeah. product on there being so different but but sure there's plenty of concern there the price is so different and yeah especially coming from an oakland native it totally makes sense for lillard to say that i mean i don't i don't blame him whatsoever crazy though yeah, the crowd it's funny that he said that when the crowd had by far the most electric atmosphere and people stayed and they got all into the upset over his trailblazers but yeah for the most part it's been a disappointment, both from the fan standpoint and, and on the product. But I don't know. They kind of go together sometimes. It's a it's a pretty good point. I can't imagine that even a vintage Oracle crowd would be um, that nuts for this Warriors roster, right? Very much so, right? Yes. It would, it's, it would be tough to muster too much enthusiasm with, with some of those lineups running out there right now. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, next week, I promise we're not going to have as much Warriors conversation. Well, I can't fully promise that, but 99%, I promise that. We're going to be less Warriors, less Bulls. Uh, we're going to try to satisfy all your fantasy needs. Again, we'll be back next Thursday. Please, people, if you liked even, I don't know, an instant, 30 seconds maybe, of this show, subscribe, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow at Yahoo Fantasy, at Andy Barons, at Dalton Del Don. Our guest this week, at underscore Jimmy McCormick. That is it, people. We are out.